Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor John Rasmussen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, the living vine that gives life to you and me, his living branches. Such a great reading, John 15. I love those last words where Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Did you catch that? Isn't that amazing to, to think that as the Father himself loves Christ, his beloved Son, that he loves each of you in Christ. It's just a beautiful word. So we've come to the end of this sermon series on the topic of the Lord's Supper, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, So far, we've seen that the sacrament is both a reminder and a receiving of the Lord's death. So we are remembering uh, that Jesus laid down His life for us, but we're also receiving the benefits that He gives to us through His death as we receive His true body and blood. We've also seen that the benefits of this meal are many. We receive uh, forgiveness of sins, life, salvation, strength, and unity in our faith, those things that we so desperately need as God's people. Uh, We've seen that the power of this meal is not rooted in what we do, but rather it's rooted in the powerful and living and active Word of God. That's what gives the sacrament its power. And then finally, we've seen that this meal is given especially for the good of weak and broken sinners like you and me who really need grace, but that this meal is not for those who refuse to admit their need. Uh, It's not for those who are not aware of what this meal is and why they should receive it. So there's this invitation uh, to repent, to believe the good news, and also to, to learn what this meal means and receive it with confidence and frequency. Uh, So finally, uh, tonight, I want to wrap everything up by looking at the word of Jesus in John chapter 15 that we just heard. Uh, We hear in this text what it looks like to have a living and growing union with Jesus Christ, one in which we put down deep roots and we bear fruit. But we also see the opposite of what it looks like when we're detached from this union with Jesus. And while this portion of Scripture doesn't really talk specifically about Holy Communion in particular, I do believe that it has everything to do with Holy Communion. So put a different way, um, we've been doing a lot of preaching these last couple weeks on what we call Christian doctrine, so Christian teaching from the Scriptures. Um, Our confirmation students have been doing sermon notes on the messages, all learning the, the basics of the Christian faith. And this is all good and necessary, but we need to remember that doctrine, Christian teaching, is only as good as what we do with it. It can't just stay up here, right? It has to come down into here and then into our habits, what we do on a daily, weekly basis. And so the end goal of learning about communion isn't just to learn a bunch of facts, but instead to be moved to come to the Lord's Supper and to come frequently to be moved to have a deeper trust, a deeper love, and a deeper connection with our Savior, which we receive in the sacrament. 
So Jesus speaks in John 15 about a vine and branches. He talks about bearing fruit but also withering away. He talks about plants and their vital connection to nutrients, all of which they can't produce on their own but must receive from the source. All of this sounds pretty familiar to me. Uh, My wife and I have been trying and often failing to take care of plants. And we have a joke in our family that we are not plant people. When plants live in the Rasmussen household, plants die. Because unlike children, plants don't tell you when they're hungry. Um, So when life gets busy, plants get neglected. Or maybe they get left outside on an extra cold night. And so my wife Kelly has been doing research on the best kind of soil to use, as well as things like below-the-soil irrigation, things like that, and um, stuff that um, I've never heard of before, all in this effort to get a good crop this year instead of the really rotten tomatoes we got last year. And so the picture of health and growth that Jesus is giving us in John chapter 15 is actually a whole lot simpler than that. It's really simple. Jesus doesn't talk about the right kind of soil or having enough sun. He doesn't say anything as complicated as worm castings and irrigation systems. But he tells us about the simple relationship between a vine and a branch. And so Jesus Christ is the firm, green, healthy vine filled with a limitless supply of life and spiritual nutrition. And we as his people... We are the branches. We are entirely dependent upon Him, so much so that Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are firmly connected to Him, we thrive. We have abundant life, even in the midst of abundant hardship. We produce abundant fruit. But Jesus goes on to tell us that when we are severed from Him or even loosely connected to Him, we begin to wither. We begin to grow dry. And if left in this state, we're warned by Jesus that we are then gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Uh, Some sobering words from our Lord. But, of course, whenever Jesus speaks those sobering words, He speaks those because He loves us, because He wants our joy and not our sorrow. And so our connection to Jesus Christ, or in other words, as Jesus puts it, our remaining, our abiding in Jesus is the most important priority of our lives, right? Would you agree with me on that? That nothing else is more important. There's a lot of important things in this life, you know, like doing your taxes and stuff like that. Got to get that done, getting good grades, you know. But this is the single most important thing because it's the only thing that lasts. But we need to remember that uh, remaining connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, is not complicated, It's not complicated at all. You know, there's a lot of things in our lives that are complicated, like trying to figure out your health insurance sometimes. It's complicated, right? There's all kinds of complicated things out there. Sometimes even religions or spiritualities are complicated, both their teaching and their practice. You know, whether it be something like transcendental meditation or Mormonism or or maybe even Scientology, man-made religion is often complicated and it only really works for people who are just naturally good at getting things done. Those who are really good at striving and being perfect in their lives. 
And I think that sometimes the church even gets caught up in this complicated spirituality. You know, we're given all kinds of special books that we need to read or, or conferences we should attend or fads that we need to follow or tricks that we need to perform to get people uh, to grow deeper in their faith. But I would say it's so much more simple. What does true, authentic, life-giving spirituality look like? I would say that it's not complicated at all, but rather it's very simple. It's just simply union with Christ. It's simply having a deep connection with Him, just like a branch is connected to the vine. But what does this look like on the ground? What does it look like in the grind of daily life? Well, first of all, it looks like us here, right now, gathering together around a script, the Scriptures and a pulpit. As we hear God's Word read and proclaimed, the life of Jesus is flowing into you right now. That's what God's doing right now. Whether you know it or not, that life-giving sap, the life of Christ, is flowing into you. As you open your Bible, as I pray you do often, and as you read those words, once again, the life of Jesus is flowing into your heart, drawing you into a deeper connection with Him. And to the point of the sermon series, when we gather around this altar, often when we receive the very body and blood of Christ, the life and salvation of Jesus are once again flowing into you, giving you life and a deeper union with the love of Christ. The truth is that this has always been the pattern of growth for Christians from the very beginning. Listen to these words, this description of the early church in Acts chapter 2. So, so as Luke writes uh, the, uh, the account of Acts, the story of the early church, uh, as he describes the church, this is what he says they were doing. He says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Super simple. They devoted themselves to the, the preaching of God's Word, that's the, the teaching of the apostles, what are, what's now our scriptures, the Old and the New Testament. And that word fellowship and that term breaking of bread are both communion terms. In fact, that word fellowship is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 10 when he talks about a sharing in or a fellowship in or a communion with the body and blood of Christ. This is what the early church did. They got together they heard God's Word, and they received the Lord's Supper, and they had that deep connection, the branches with the vine, and they bore fruit. <clears throat> now, I think all of this makes sense. I mean, we're in agreement with this, right, that this is the way that God grows us in a deeper union with Himself. But we often have busy, busy schedules. It may conflict with our schedules. I mean, Ask anybody out there, how are you doing? And I guarantee you that half of the time they're going to say, oh, I'm busy, right? Isn't that what we say? Oh, I'm super busy. I'm crazy busy. It's almost a way that we kind of justify ourselves. We justify our existence and our worth by saying, yeah, I'm super busy. What would we do if we weren't busy? Would we be worth anything in our own eyes? And I've been there before. I, I fall into this trap of, oh, I'm busy, really busy. But our schedules will always reflect what we value most. And we must always ask ourselves, 
if our schedules are truly life-giving. So we think about our schedules. Are our schedules life-giving? For the past couple of years, I've been just really fascinated by the concept of minimalism. And so uh, rather than having a lot of stuff, which is sort of what we end up doing by default as Americans, what, what you know, my family has kind of done in, in, in the past from time to time, uh, the idea behind minimalism is that you would only hold on to those things that give you joy. Anything that has a purpose, anything that aligns with what you value, you kind of uh, determine your possessions based on what you love the most. And the rest, you either donate or get rid of. And so maybe you've heard of the Netflix show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, where uh, she comes over to people's houses and kind of negotiates with them about all the stuff they need to get rid of. And, and it's a little emotional, but eventually they, they find it liberating. Well, I believe that this concept of minimalism actually applies to our schedules, the way we use our time as well. If we value above all, above all else, if we value the abundant life we have in Christ, if we recognize that apart from His life continually flowing into us, we are withering, right? We'll eventually die. If we know that we exist to know the Father and to know the Son in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then what does this do to our schedules? Well, we end up cutting whatever conflicts with our continual connection with the vine, right? We will naturally begin to declutter whatever gets in the way of gathering to hear God's word and receive his holy communion. And so sports and activities and birthday parties and yard work and golf and hunting and fishing or really whatever it is that crowds out our communion with Jesus at this altar, None of these are in and of themselves bad things. I enjoy most of these things, except for golf, because I'm, I'm so good at golf that I got rid of my clubs. Um, it's not a good situation. Um, I enjoy all these things, for the most part. They're not bad things. But I believe that these things will wear us out and cause our faith to wither when they're given a higher priority than Christ and the gifts that He gives in worship. In fact, I am 100% convinced that we will enjoy all of these activities so much more when we enjoy them as secondary, not primary, when we enjoy them as servants of Christ and not replacements of Christ. You know, one of the most encouraging things I've heard lately is when people have returned to church in the past few weeks. Uh, it's been interesting just to see a lot of faces I haven't seen. It's been so encouraging. These past couple weeks, people are returning to church. And one of the, the consistent things I've heard is, is people said, Pastor, I appreciate that we've had church online. I thank you for having it on TV, but I tell you what, it's just not the same as being in person because I miss communion so badly. I felt the absence there. I missed it. And I can't wait to receive it. There's a gentleman in our church who who was sharing with me that, that uh, I just had to come back and get communion. And I said, well, well your uh, good news is we're having it today, uh, this past Sunday. Now, I don't, you know, I don't tear up easily, but that'll just about do it for me. It just gives me so much joy to hear sheep responding to the voice of their good shepherd, longing for the gifts that he gives and seeking 
uh, to receive them and remain rooted in them until the day they die. I often wonder, what if we as a community said this instead? What if we said, you know, pastor, you know, sports are great, and, and pastor, hunting's fun. It's, it's great time spent. Fishing is great. Golf is great, right? All these things are great, but I tell you what, it's nothing compared to being at the altar of the Lord and receiving the very body and blood of Christ and hearing his love for us preached and taught and learned. It's nothing compared to being with God's people, God's eternal family, right? These things are great, but they're not the best things. For us to, as a a whole church, for every member of this church to, to be in that place, would that not be revival, awakening, renewal in our congregation? It would be the very coming of God's kingdom. You know, one of my greatest concerns related to confirmation and also to new members class is that so often we in the church will confirm young people, we'll welcome new members, and then they come to the Lord's table, and then in the coming weeks, months, and years, we rarely, perhaps never see them again. Um, From time to time, I'll go into the friendship hall, and I'll kind of page through the past years of confirmation pictures, and I'll kind of study the faces and, and see who I know, and one of the sobering things I've realized is that in the almost two years I've been here, I barely know any of those faces. And yeah, maybe it's because of COVID, but maybe not. And one of the things I yearn for and I pray for and I cry out to God for is that we, things would be different, that God would awaken us and renew in us and create a true faith in us that truly knows Christ and follows him because I, I can't be somebody's pastor if I don't see them and know them. Obviously, I know COVID makes everything complicated, but just from my heart to yours, I don't say any of this to, to shame anyone. I say it because as a pastor, a pastor means shepherd, right? And I yearn to be your pastor. I yearn to be with you. I yearn to know you and see you grow. And I can't do that if you're not here. I believe that our God is calling us to better things. I believe he's calling us to things that give life. He's calling us to remain strong and connected to the vine, strong and connected to Jesus Christ and the gifts that he gives in his word and in his supper. And as we confess in confirmation and as new members, that we'll remain steadfast in these gifts until the day we die. I believe that God is calling us to what I would call a word and sacrament schedule in life in which the things that give life are the non-negotiable things on our calendar, that, that any kind of clutter that conflicts gets cut, not because it's not a good thing, but because it's not the best thing. It's not the one thing that's needful, and the one thing that is needful is sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving from him again and again and again and again. I don't know when it happened. I think it was in the 90s, maybe. I was just a kid then. Um, I didn't go to church when I was growing up. I, I don't really know when it happened, but somewhere 
in our history as a culture, as a nation, we gave up Sunday morning. We, we gave it up. There was, there was a battle, right? The culture came knocking on the door and said, we want Sunday morning. And when push came to shove, we gave it up. And, but when push comes to shove, why can't we reclaim that sacred time, right? Um, what would it look like if all the Christians in Kearney decided to boycott sports on Sundays and Wednesdays? There's a lot of Christians in this town. <laughs> Things would probably change. Maybe we can do that sometime. We'll see. I really believe that if we're able to adopt a word and sacrament schedule where, where worship is the central thing, the non-movable thing on the calendar, I really believe that our lives would be less anxious, that we'd be so much more fulfilled because Jesus says, you know, that I tell you these things so that your joy would be complete. God genuinely desires our joy. And whenever He calls us to change our schedules, it's just because He loves us. And so, people of God, our Lord is calling us, He's inviting us, He's welcoming us to a way of life that is countercultural but also life giving, a word and sacrament schedule in which worship is the one non negotiable item around which everything else conforms. And the Lord calls us to this pattern of life, not with guilt or prodding or shame that never creates good things, but He simply calls us to this because He truly desires our joy, and true joy is only found when we have a regular seat at His table. And so may God grant this to all of us. May He awaken, revive, and renew every member of this congregation, not by our own, own might or strength, but by His Holy Spirit.